You're listening to Lisa Valentine Clark and Richie T. It's The Lisa Show. Okay, so you've decided this year, this year is the year. You've been putting it out for a while now, but you're holding steadfast to your decision to make it happen. This is the year that you're going to finally send out a holiday card. Now, why have you been dragging your feet on it? Well, we know. Come on. Family photos. It's tough. It is rough. It requires a lot of patience and steadfastness and stick to right? It is the bane of impatient parents everywhere. Okay, so one kid's always cold. One kid is tired of smiling and just doesn't feel it, right? And they, or one kid, usually a toddler, just wants to make their body go limp so you can't do anything. And and you get that sort of crazy tinge in your voice of, hey, what would you like? Oh, I promise we'll go get ice cream after her. <laughs> Whatever. And you, you can hear the nervous laughter in your expression when you're bribing because you don't want to seem like you've lost it and what you really want to say to your kid. But um, because you don't want to make them you know, cry or be feel intimidated because we're showing everyone in this picture how much fun we're having as a family, right? But listen, why do we do these kinds of things? Because so we can look back on them and we have the memory. Uh, we know that they grow up so fast. We want to have a picture that freezes our family in sort of a time and place. Well, fortunately for all of us who are struggling with family photos, especially around this time of the year, we've got friend of the show, Carrie Ann Rhodes, here to help us. Today we're talking all things family photos and how to make it as seamless and fun, yes, fun, as possible. Welcome, Carrie Ann. Good morning, Lisa. We're going to do it this year. Yeah, we're going to do it. Now, uh, we are just going to dive right into it. A holiday card is a way to connect over the holidays without uh, having to make the phone calls or, or do gifts. But a ho- I love holiday cards because it just shows me, I know. oh, here, here's my friend and here's their family this year. And um, I love hanging cards up and seeing their mm-hmm. faces and just kind of knowing like, oh, the world is a good place because this person is in it. So I, I'm one that appreciates yeah. holiday cards, but I don't do them every year because sometimes we don't have time. We just don't, we don't prioritize it. So that's sure. why we're talking about it now on the 2nd of November to make sure we give plenty of time to think about these things, kind of plan ahead, um, give you some strategies for success. I love it. Well, let's get right to those strategies because I feel like the one of the major sort of uh, bumps in that, that prevent me from doing this is I think, well, should I just have my phone on a timer? Should I hire a photographer? Like, then that's another phone call and an appointment. (laughs) Like, as silly as it sounds, it can be a major um, deterrent for for a lot of people. Um, What sort of deciding factor do you use in trying to decide if you're going to hire a photographer or not? We have done... um family portraits, all sorts of ways. Mm -hmm. We have hired photographers, which is terrific. Um, We have used pictures that I think, I think last year we, we just used pictures for my camera roll. Um, Oh yeah. uh, That maybe, maybe, or maybe not. I don't even remember if I needed to even put a filter on them because Mm. uh, I remember one was like so lush and green. It was beautiful. That's why we took a picture right there. Um, or I've had uh, family pictures taken where a family member did it for us, or even just using an iPhone. The, these days, our our handheld devices have such excellent cameras on them. Mm-hmm. Um, I That's mean, true. way better than way better than any previous kind of handheld camera. And so, depending on your budget or the time that you have, mm. you've really got a lot of options. One of my favorite things to do that's easy for kids Mm -hmm. is um, in our area, we've got these photo studios that have several different, it's like a big, big, you know, open kind of, not a warehouse, but like a space. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It has several different backdrops and um, you just show up and you pay a basic fee, which is usually around $100, which is very inexpensive um, 
for hiring a professional photographer and you go and you get several background choices. You get lots of kind of working with the photographer of, do you want to stand up? Do you want to sit Mm. down? Do you want to, you know, let your kids twirl, you know, whatever. And so that's been a good kind of low key um, option rather than hiring one person and going somewhere. There's there's so many options. There's so many options. And I will say too, that just a plug for professional photographers, if you are in a position and that's not a concern, hiring someone would be a yeah. great way to support a local business or a local family who who, who are artists. And and you, you're not just getting the camera with the photographer, but you are getting a sort of a, a different perspective on, on the art form. I, I know, at least for me, when I, because I've done, like you, both Hey, I'll, we'll just do it ourselves or right. use a family member and then use a professional. And the professional always gets these unexpected sort of gems of photos that have become my favorite favorites over the years. Absolutely. And especially if you're looking for um, like a portrait, um, a, you can't you can't be a professional. And, and in this mm-hmm. year, exactly what you said, where so many important events have been canceled. Um, do you know? a photographer that you can support this year and you know help help them grow their business and you will you will you will get what you pay for with a professional photographer you'll get technical know-how you'll get beautiful pictures so yeah so as you're trying to kind of make that decision keep all of those things in mind right so So as you're planning oh sorry go on as you're planning one thing that i never thought of before okay (laughs) go on (laughs) choose the card before you choose the picture (laughs) oh i I don't think i've ever thought of that no and i spend like not hours but lots and lots of minutes going through the different you know sites that do holiday cards and like um i've got this picture now and Oh, I, I love this card, but it doesn't fit the format. Or, oh, I wish I had left room on this photo so that the words could be over the photo. Like all these little tiny details that you're, you're you know, sifting through hundreds of templates. Why not go choose a template you like first and then make sure that your photo is landscape or that it's portrait or that you leave, you know, you leave the room for having the words above your head. I, I thought that was like the best advice ever rather than that is groundbreaking. making it fit you, what you've got. <laughs> I have never thought of that. that. You know, actually plan it out ahead of time. Wait, right. what? <laughs> now, if oh. I have uh, seen, if I see one more, harried mom at Target or Old Navy or Gap or something like that with bags of like sweaters and shirts trying to coordinate family photos. Right. I I might lose it. I mean, it's just it's you talk to any parent who's parented for more than, I don't know, six months. And this is something we all have in common it brings us together what are we gonna wear are we doing primary colors are we picking two colors three is there a science to choosing the outfits for family photos that is my question science is called don't worry so much about it (laughs) i like that (laughs) is that a technical term okay cool it's it's technical i think it's latin great Um, great we if you go, even, I just have the thought, even if you're going through, you know, those lots of minutes of looking at holiday templates, mm-hmm. it's actually a good, uh, if you, if you look at the, you know, the models, the, the stock photos that they're using of the people in those templates, they look fantastic in those photos. They're not matchy matchy. Yeah. And they, they're barely maybe even coordinated. So definitely coordinate, but do not match. Um, that That's kind of. That's kind of out. I know some people have even like, well, my decor is this. So we're going to kind of like wear this. And it's unnecessary. It's unnecessary in a, in a portrait. So um, make sure that you're comfortable. Uh, try to go for no hats, no graphics or pictures on your T-shirts. You don't, you, you don't mm-hmm. want to. I've seen some hilarious photo fails where only a part of a word shows up <laughs> in the photo. Oh, and it's you know, it can be awkward. Um, no small patterns, like small checks, small flowers, houndstooth, don't, 
translate well in the picture. Um, and maybe try to, try to stay away from being too contrasty of just like black and white, unless you're going for something like really stylized or kind of interesting. But just remember to pick your battles. Have you got a child who is going through their goth phase right now? <laughs> Work it into the photo. Work, really? Make it, don't fight yeah, it. Make it. Don't fight it. Just make it a part of this is our family and um, this is how we are. We're talking with Carrie Ann Rhodes about family photos about this time of year when we, you know, kind of the do's and don'ts and how to make it a, a better process. Okay, so I just want to summarize what you just said so that we can get it. You don't have to match, first no. of all. Just think of comfort, no hats, graphics, or pictures, no small patterns, but then everything else is on the table. Are there colors that we should stay away from? No, I, I, I would say... I've seen darling photos of families in all kind of, you know, situations. But some of my favorites are where the family members are wearing something that reflects their personality. And uh, I think that's cute. I think that's nice. I don't care if um, all the girls are wearing red and the boys are wearing blue. And, uh -huh. you know, that, that to me is a little too contrived. I like photos that seem more natural and bring out the person the fun personalities of your family okay so i did this last year and i just said everyone was like well family photos because they hate when I tell them what to wear. So I was like, just wear whatever you want. I just want it to like photos in our home wearing whatever. Well, my husband and I were laughing so hard because it just shows how casual my kids are. <laughs> But I will say that the photos do make me laugh. We were not coordinated at all. It was very, very casual. And I was glad that the year previous we had dressed up. You know, you know right. what I mean? Like I do like sort of Sunday best. So, uh, you know, maybe that's my my voice for just, you know, maybe every other year. Let them choose. Every other year. Well, if your kids don't mind, because um, I prefer... I prefer, you know, uh, uh, us in kind of like our Sunday best, nicer clothing as well. And if, if it's not going to cause fights or if, if that's not the hassle, like pick your battles mm -hmm. in this. If you can get away with that, do it. Yeah. If it's going to be a huge argument and like fighting all day and whatever, then, then leave it to the side. I've got some good day of practices to help us make that kind of day oh, great. of the photo. Hit us. Easy. Um, someone mentioned in here ice cream, getting ice cream after. Was that you? <laughs> yeah, that was I me. I get the ice cream first. <laughs> really? Okay. Oh, put them in a good mood right from the get-go. Put them in a good mood from the get-go. Let's go and get ice cream. Just make sure that you bring some, like, wipes with you to make sure faces are clean or, you know, know your kids. But eat beforehand. Make sure that you have full stomachs. Don't wait for that food bribe. Or after oh. you've got to have good blood sugar you need some you know good energy spend five minutes before you go into the photographer just playing just oh. you know running around outside doing doing a little bit of fun something if you're bringing a pet into the photo shoot make sure that pet has a little bit of energy and mm -hmm. taken out as well as the as well as the four-year-olds get the energy out a little <laughs> bit that, that way you get kind of the wiggles and the giggles and the, the like excitement of it just expend that energy a tiniest bit so that by the time you get in there you're calm bribe freely you know afterwards we're gonna do this or you know you get this but you know don't be afraid of the bribe um and then a couple of issues if you're doing a photo by yourself um make without a photographer or a professional photographer uh -huh. make sure the family is viewed straight on not like in a in a line where like one person is, you know, five feet away from the camera, and then another person is like six feet, seven feet, eight feet okay. away from the camera. Okay, so the composition of it, like composition, you want it. it straight on, or else someone's okay. going to look giant and someone's going to look small, oh, right? Sure, yeah. And then, like an illusion, <laughs> it, it can it can be an unintentional illusion. Um, make sure that the photo is being taken at the eye height of the subject. So if you're if you're if you're people if you and your family are sitting down, then the shoot, then the camera should be a little lower at your eye level. Or if you're standing, make sure it's at eye level. And then 
make sure that you are cropping appropriately. Like don't cut off any heads, you know, at the top of the head. Um, you can always kind of crop in later, but you can't crop out. So keep okay. that in mind if you're taking that, taking that photo. Yeah. Okay. Well, we only have about less than a minute left. Last tips to make this year's family photo the very best one. Make it a good time. It, um, if, if a family photo is, or if you're suggesting it and everyone's like, yeah. how can you, re- <laughs> how can you re- reframe this? But this is going to be like a fun family moment for you. What can you do to kind of um, make everyone involved, even the kids, to get them hmm. on board with what's going to happen and have it be a fun experience and it will be reflected for sure in your lovely family portrait this year. I love it. it that I, We want that that feeling of family and home and what your family represents to be in that. Thank you for taking your time to, to walk us through that, Carrie Ann. It's always a pleasure. Sure. Carrie Ann Rhodes is a friend of the show who specializes in making happiness, comfort, and love align in the home. You can follow her at Twitter at Carrie Ann Rhodes. There are many different types of investments that we make throughout our lives, right? Um, One of those, obviously, is financial, like the kind of investing that we do early on can have a huge impact on when or how we can retire or the kind of life that we can have in the future. And when we talk about investing in, you know, children or investing in our careers or investing in our education, it's something that I think that we can all agree can have a focus on our lives in sort of a positive way. And a lot of people have different emotions surrounding money and investing. And as a result, many people have found themselves uh, in in innocent situation where they're putting off investing financially until they know a little bit more, Mm -hmm. until they have a little bit of better information. And you know, this, as the saying goes, time is money, right? <laughs> I thought you were going to say there's no time like the present, which oh, also yeah, applies that's in true. this. Yeah, both of those those uh, things apply right now to us. We thought it would be well worth our time to have a conversation about the basics of investing. So whether you are a, a complete novice and have no prior experience and just feel overwhelmed by the entire process, knowing the basics can be helpful, whether you're sort of Mediate. <laughs> mediate? No. Intermediate. There Intermediate. It is. That's yeah. the word I was looking for. In in your knowledge of investing. And maybe you have a fund or one account that you just sort of leave alone, but it's time to reevaluate if it's meeting your needs or if you are advanced in invest, investing, but you want to kind of see and take the, uh, the financial temperature of those around you of like, hey, am I doing this right? Should I adjust no matter where you find yourself on that scale? It's worth going over the basics. And so here to do it, we have invited in Liz Frazier. Now, what I want to make a promise of our time with Liz is that we're not going to, this is not going to be complicated, really boring. This is accessible basics of investing so that, so everyone, I mean, people will know what I'm talking about. There are these segments on the radio that your eyes sort of gloss over. Yeah, it's too much information too quickly. Yeah, we just want to make it so that the next few minutes that we share together are accessible for everyone. Liz, welcome in. Thank you so much for having me. That's a lot of pressure not to be boring. <laughs> yeah. Try to make investing entertaining. <laughs> well, as a family financial planner, as a friend of the Lisa Show, Liz, you have a way of helping us just to get the basics and and to help like focus our attention, I think, on where it should be. And so that's my first question is 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 when we are are looking to invest. And, and let's say that we are just starting out. Um, when should we start and, and, and how much of our income should we invest? Well, that's, you know, to back up just a little bit, I'm so glad that you guys are doing this show because um, I, I think that investing is such an intimidating concept for so many and it um, puts up a barrier to investing. And I think that the majority of people who are wealthy probably invested. I don't have a stat on that, but I think that that's really that can be the difference between wealth and not wealth. So I'm so glad you guys are doing this because it does not have to be that difficult. Um, in terms of how much you should be investing, you know, really, there's a couple things that need to come first. You really should have an emergency fund mm-hmm. first. Um, so, you know, 
something that I think a lot of people don't consider when it comes to investing is that you should never invest money that you're going to need in the next three to five years. So that's really important when it comes to how much you should be investing. You want to make sure that all the money that you're going to need, you have in cash for the next couple of years. The money that you're investing is money that, okay, I've already got my cash set. I've got my emergency fund. Now I'm ready to invest this other money I'm not going to need for a little bit. So it's really, it's based on what you're comfortable with. Start with as little as you can, and then you can always grow from there, but you can never start too early or with too little. So if we have an emergency fund, and for those who aren't familiar with what that is, that is what, three to six months of your your salary or how much income you would need to live off. Is that correct? Exactly. And so if we're also trying to pay off loans or we are, are, uh, you know, you have a mortgage and and other sort of debt, how do you consider that when you're trying to come up with a sum of, oh, yes, this is how much I can um, set aside to invest either every month or every year? Well, you know, I have clients ask me this often, you know, should I pay off my mortgage or should I invest this or and. And I always say there's really there's no wrong way to be financially responsible. So so I don't want people to stress too much about that. There there are different types of people when it comes to debt, especially. There are some people who just feel a constant weight on them if they have school loans or even with a mortgage. Um, and for those people, they should be paying off their debt because that's just going to give them that kind of peace of mind. Um, but for other people, you know, mortgage is a pretty standard debt. It's a low interest rate. It's long term. Um, so, you know, I, I would say that if you're comfortable with having mortgage debt, then you could go ahead and start investing money so that you have that going forward for the future. Okay, so once we've determined that number and we feel pretty confident about it, what we can do and what our goals are, how often should we be investing and how do we set that up? Well, I think that the first part of investing, and, and most people when they think about investing, they're like, okay, I just got to open up an account and start investing. But there's actually some steps you need to take before that. You first of all have to think about what you're in. Everything that you do in investing depends on what your goals are. So sure. first think about your goals. Is this for retirement? You know, is this the money that you're going to need when you stop working? Or is this for, you know, your your kid's college tuition? So first you want to see how what, what the goal of this money is for. Um, so that's the first part that you want to think about when you're investing. And then the second part is how, you know, how risky are you? What's what's your risk tolerance? So, you know, and, and that's something that's thrown a lot um, out a lot in the financial world. And it sounds more complicated than it is. Your risk tolerance is just how much are you willing to lose to make money? Because every time that you invest, you're taking a chance of losing some money um, to make money. So the investments that are less risky are things that you might not make as much money, but you're not going to lose as much money. And the investments that are more risky, you could make a lot more money, but you could lose a lot more money. So these are the kind of things that you need to think about before you even start considering opening up an account. Um, And then once you get to the part where you're ready to open up account, you want to think about what your strategy is going to be. So this is things like diversification. And this, again, is a fancy word, and it's so simple. It just means that you want to make sure that you don't have all of your eggs in one basket. Because if you, let's say you invested everything that you have in a tech company, and the tech company just went bust then you'd lose all of your money. So you mm-hmm. want to make sure that when you invest, you've got your investments, you've got your money, you've invested in a couple of different things. So if one goes down, you've got other places that are not, that are still doing okay and they can kind of balance that out. So when we've been talking about investments up to this point, you're sort of talking about the traditional way, like either individual stocks or 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 um, maybe like 401k type things. But there are other types of investments. I'm thinking of things like CDs and, and other things where people can can put their money. Are are there more options beyond just those things? You know, investments, uh, real estate is investment. I think that most people don't think about that. But when you buy your house, you're investing in your home. You're investing that your money is going to grow as your home, the value of your home grows, the value of your neighborhood, your property. So that's an investment right there. Real estate, that's an investment. 
Um, but, you know, the, the classic ways to invest are through retirement accounts, which are the things like the 401k, which some people get through their companies, or you can open up an IRA, which is just an individual retirement account that most people can open. Um, and then there are, um, you know, a couple easy ways. If somebody, let's say they had $1,000 and they wanted to invest that money and they didn't know where to start, there's kind of two different simple paths they could take. They could do um, something called a robo-advisor, and that is a, um, a bank, basically, that will guide your investment. You go on there. A good one is Betterment. That's kind of the one that everybody thinks of. Mm-hmm. You go on there, and you tell them what your goals are. You, you fill out a questionnaire, and they do all the investing for you, and that's actually been a pretty – simple platform for a lot of people to get started. And then the other one is a little bit more classic, and you just open up what's called a brokerage account. Again, it's just an account. You open up an account at an online um, brokerage house. So, you know, some of the very easy ones are Fidelity, TBA, Schwab. These are the basic big ones. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can go on there and very simply, they make it easy. They know that investing is intimidating, and they want to help you Hmm. through this. You go on there and you can very simply choose how much money you want to put in which stocks or mutual funds, um, you know, which kind of equities you want to invest in. So and, and, and to go even further on that, there are a couple of different ways that you can invest. So let's say you open up an account and you're like, OK, I've got my thousand dollars in here. What do I do now? How, how do I even know what to invest in? So. Most people think about stocks, which is just a piece of an individual company. So let's say, okay, I want to buy a stock in Coca-Cola. You mm-hmm. know, that'd be a pretty obvious one. Um, that is a, a, an easy way to start, but that's also pretty risky because if you've got all of your money in one or two companies and something happens to that, then your money could disappear pretty quickly. Yeah. So there's something called funds. There are ETFs and there are mutual funds. All this means is, really, really smart, way smarter than me, way smarter than most of us financially. <laughs> People, money managers, have picked, let's say, 50 different companies that they think are going to do really well in different industries. And they put it in a basket and they've called it, you know, XYZ mutual fund. And if you invest, let's say you want to invest $100 in XYZ mutual fund, then you automatically own all of these different companies and this money manager is running it for you. And they make it very, very simple. It's a simple way to diversify, to get that kind of exposure across multiple different companies, multiple different industries without having to do it yourself or know anything about it. For so many people, this can be so overwhelming. And people like yourself, you know, financial educators, financial consultants, um, visiting with Liz Frazier, friend of the show. Uh, how do people know when they need to to find, seek out, and have someone like yourself uh, walk them through it? Is it just because they don't want to deal with it? Is it because they want to be more educated? Or or the majority of your clientele, where where and why do they come to you? I have two different types of of clients who come to me usually. I've got one who has money saved. They have, you know, several different accounts. They might be getting ready for retirement, but they have money. They have assets. They just want to make sure that they have a plan for it. They want to make sure that they're saving in the right ways, that they're invested in the right kind of um, funds. And, you know, they want to make sure their money's working for them. So that's one type that I work with. And I work with them on, I'll look through and, make investment recommendations based on who they are and and their goals. And then I'll also do retirement planning. But the other, I'd say half of my clients are people who come to me who need help. You know, they're either have some issues with debt or, you know, they're trying to save money, but they feel like they can't, or they're having some problems reaching their goals and they need help reaching their goals. So I, you know, it's kind of, I I feel like I've got two buckets that most of my clients come to me with. Uh when you think about all of your clients, do you see common red flags or or mistakes that they make that you'd love to correct? I think one thing that people often do when they are investing is they don't look at the whole picture. So what I mean by that is they don't take all of their 
their different assets and all of their different investments and look at it as a whole. So you want to make sure, let's say you own a home and, you know, you the majority, I mean, that's the most expensive thing any of us are going to buy. Sure. Mm-hmm. So you own a home and then you go into, um, you know, you open up a brokerage account and you start investing in the stock market. But you buy all, this is just an example, but all you know, real estate funds and all real estate stuff. Well, then you're 100% invested in real estate. And if we have another real estate crash, all of your money is going to be reduced. So I think that's a really big thing is to make sure that you're looking at everything that you have so that that's all, everything is diversified and everything is working together. So that's a big red flag. And also, I think that Oftentimes, people mistake um, how risky they are based on their lifestyle. So, you know, let's say somebody is a helicopter skier and, you know, an extreme, I don't know, I don't live this world, extreme skateboarder, you know, somebody who just is a, is a risk, risky person and they're, you know, always out there chasing the thrill. They might think that they are have risky, they've got a high risk tolerance when it comes sure. to investing. But those two actually have nothing to do with each other. That does not mean just because you love jumping off of cliffs um, does not mean that you're going to be okay if you lose 40% of your money in the stock market. So you really have to reevaluate. That has nothing to do with each other. And and it seems to me that whether you're a beginner, intermediate, or advanced in in, in investing, you it it does require constant reevaluation, right? And help from a professional, from a financial advisor to help keep all of these things in mind. Um, when you're looking for someone to work with, what is your your greatest uh, quality that you're looking for? If you're looking for a financial professional, I always recommended fee only. So that's what I do, and that's what a lot of financial professionals do. And th- what that means is that they're not selling you anything. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's really important. And I'm glad that you brought that up because, you know, there's a lot of great people in this industry, and, you know, most of them are, are great and ethical. Um, but, you know, if you're starting out and you're looking to invest money, it's easy if somebody's selling you something. So if somebody's selling you some type of financial product and they're going to sell it and make it sound really good, and it might be, but it might not be what's best for you. So it's best to work with somebody who's fee only. So that just means they're not selling you anything. They're not going to make a commission off of what they sell you. So, you know, for example, myself and other fee only advisors, you go to them and they will charge you. They'll say, okay, I'm going to charge you either a percent of how much I'm managing or I'm just going to charge you an hourly fee. Hmm. But no matter what, everything that they um, suggest, recommend to you is 100% in the client's best interest. So that's really important. And there's groups like NAPFA, which is N-A-P-F-A, and CFP. Those are two groups that have um, a lot of great resources for fee only. So I think that's the biggest one. And the second one is once you've found somebody who's got the qualifications, they've got the CFP, they've got experience, they're fee only, you want to talk to a couple of different people. I think that's really important because they might all have the same qualifications, but this is an intimate relationship and it's long term. You were exactly right, Lisa, that you really need to meet and evaluate every year to make sure that mm. everything's still working the right way for you because life changes. Yeah. So, you you know, I often know that my clients are sick before their family members do, you know, so it's got to be somebody who you really trust and you want to have conversations with and you want to talk with them because a lot of it ends up kind of being therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm finance sure. does touch so many different parts of people's lives. So that's really important. Liz Frazier, uh, a certified financial planner, a director of financial education. Uh, you can find more about her at FrazierFinancialConsultants.com and you can also check out the Copper Banking app at GetCopper.com. Liz, thanks for being back on the show. Thanks so much for having me. With the holidays upon us, so are all of the treats and goodies that come with it. Last night when I got home, a delicious plate of fudge on my porch, and and I had two thoughts. One, how fast can I eat this? And two, I wonder where this came from, and it was actually in that order. Uh, It's easy to blow all of our fitness progress for the month of December, telling ourselves that, you know, with that New Year's resolution, we'll get back on track. 
Well, maybe there's a better approach to our health. Today, we're talking with Annika Christensen, a certified personal trainer and fitness instructor. Her philosophy is that balance and moderation are the keys to building and maintaining a healthy relationship with exercise and food. Good morning, Annika. Hi, thank you for having me. Now, this idea of moderation, I'm not familiar, so you may have to break it down (laughs) really basic for me. Really basic. Well, I think most people aren't familiar with it. We try and say we are, but really we have this total up and down where we are super good and then we're super bad and we attach morality to food Mm-hmm. And we label our days and our foods as good and bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just going to set us up for failure. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and I love the, uh, the the self-divulging things where it's like, I've been so bad today. That, I love that as part of the conversation as well. Totally. Yeah, we do that all the time. So, so moderation, what then is it? I mean, I jokingly asked you, but m- maybe I do need to know exactly what it is. Well, I think moderation would be trying to think of, take away the labels, take away the good and the bad, and think of exercise and food as fuel for our Mm. bodies. And so when I'm training with clients and teaching them, we're talking more about, like, we are BMWs. We need to fuel our bodies with the good stuff, with Mm. the premium, you know? Mm -hmm. And we're not our little old Corollas anymore. And so... Um, being able to look at food in a holistic approach and saying like, okay, there's foods that fuel me more and there's foods that are more fun. Like, I hope you ate some fudge last night because <laughs> uh, that sounded good. Bless you, Annika, to think I ate just some fudge last night. <laughs> I, it, I, I might have eaten the whole plate. I'm, I'm not going to tell you because it sounds like it's not moderation. But I also am not going to say I was so bad last night because I've learned that so far. Yeah, and that's what we typically do is we say, oh, I've been bad. And Mm -hmm. then that attaches shame to Mm -hmm. the food or to the habit. And the eating of the fudge isn't what's going to, like, cause us to totally derail. It's then the shame about it and then feeling like, oh, my goodness, that was awful. And now I need to, like, either do something to fix it or I need to go deeper into this hole. That's where the scary mindset comes in. So instead of putting shame to it. Instead, you can say like, oh, you know what? I clearly ate that whole thing and it was delicious mm-hmm. and I loved it. Mm-hmm. And now I don't feel great. And I kind of want to fuel instead of have so much fun with my foods today. <laughs> it, it, it's an interesting uh, uh, approach to all this because it, it, it shows me that so many of these things are deeper rooted than just that split second choice that I make to grab one thing that would better fuel my body than the other. Totally. It's definitely every single person. If you feel like food or if anyone feels like, oh, I just have this struggle with food, it's because every single person does. Like, we have a relationship with food, just like we have a relationship with our siblings who we sometimes fight with and don't get along <laughs> with, or with our in-laws or all these different relationships in our life. Food and fitness is another one of those. And so every single person you look at, whether they seem like they have it all together or not, has to work on that relationship and has either come to a point where they've made peace with it or they're still working towards it. The perspective that our food is our fuel, I like that. The the uh, idea to not to not uh, shame ourselves for when we may have struggled a little bit more, I like that as well. Are there other pieces to this moderation that will help us sort of reframe how we look at what we eat? Totally. I mean, there's so many things. I am really passionate about this topic. <laughs> but um, I think fitness goes hand in hand with food. Um, what you can't outrun a bad diet, darn it. I mm-hmm. wish we could, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's really, it's really that fitness component helps us get in the right mindset and it can help increase our metabolism that then allows us to burn our fuel more effectively. Um, so I think the fitness component, some people would like to say like, Oh, I'll just sit and I'll just restrict and then not eat a lot. And then that'll help me lose weight. Mm -hmm. It's totally twisted. And actually most of my weight loss clients who I work with are under eating and under fueling the good stuff. 
Um, and then, and then they're starving by the end of the day and then we make crazy choices, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so having consistency with both fitness and then also eating every two to three hours, you're allowed to eat again and you never have to get so starving that you reach for anything and you never have to feel so full that you're uncomfortable. So, um, so the idea of uh, several mini meals, for those that maybe have never heard of that, because I think fundamentally we go, oh, it's breakfast, lunch, dinner. That's how it goes. One is in the first part of the morning when I wake up, middle of the day I eat my lunch, and then I eat dinner, and watch some TV, and go to bed. These mini or smaller meals, what do they look like? Yeah, well, it's, I mean, all of this is so dependent on the person, um, but I feel like generally most people get hungry in between these, you know, six hour stretches from meal to meal. Um, And so fueling, thinking of having breakfast like a king, lunch as a prince and dinner as a pauper. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is when you're, think about what you're fueling for. So when we wake up, we have breakfast, we're fueling our bodies. We have a long day ahead of us. So I would go with something with lots of protein and carbs and some fats to get us going for a big meal, you know, like a fueling, energizing meal. And then know that in two more hours, you can grab a snack and you're allowed to have more food (laughs) two hours later. There's not this scarcity mentality. And doing this and then having lunch the same, a good, healthy, like, like healthy, meaning big size lunch, you know, to fuel our bodies. Mm -hmm. And then two hours later, you can have a snack. And then dinner, what are we fueling for? Not very long. <laughs> yeah. We're going to eat dinner, do a little bit of work, and then hopefully go to bed. Mm-hmm. So our dinners actually can be a lot smaller. Um, and eating this way with these mini meals will keep our metabolism from and our sugar, our blood sugar from just like plummeting, where we have those total dips in energy and then sugar spikes and things like that. It'll kind of keep us more leveled throughout the day. If you're just joining us, we're talking with Annika Christensen, who is a certified personal trainer and fitness instructor. Uh, we've talked a, a lot about uh, just sort of eating and, and uh, uh, dieting or fueling principles in general. I want to turn part of our conversation to, I, I queued this up talking about the fudge that showed up on my porch. And man, I'll tell you what, that first week of December until the new year, so often, and I know I'm not alone in this, is, uh, yeah, uh, I'll get back on the wagon, you know, the first of the year. I, I'll, I'll kind of wave these last few weeks of the year and I'll really get started again. Uh, I'll, you know, I'll dedicate myself in the new year. But we can we can do a lot of detriment in these three, four weeks of the holidays in December. <laughs> we can. Well, and what I would say for people who are like really big on, oh, I'm going to wait till January 1st, is I would say, and how has that worked in the past? <laughs> <laughs> has it? Maybe it has. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like maybe you're one of those highly motivated goal setter people where January 1st is just your, like, your time to shine. But for most of us, that's not how it works, mm-hmm. <laughs> unfortunately. And usually we're setting ourselves into shame and bad habits um, in these next couple weeks where we think we can just overindulge in everything. Um, and then January 1st comes and we feel even worse mm-hmm. about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it's that much <laughs> harder. December 1st. Yeah, and it's that much harder because we've just had the last couple weeks of essentially eating whatever we would like. How do you do this? Is this something that you struggle with? So I'm currently pregnant, <laughs> so I currently eat pretzels all day, uh-huh. so I feel a little bit, <laughs> I feel a little funny, but as I'm, like, what I do is I, and what I coach my clients on is please eat the treats, please, and you know what's going to happen, like, mm-hmm. this, we're, we're rooted in tradition, so we know that Christmas Eve, there's going to be, you know, a great dessert, and maybe Christmas morning, there's cinnamon rolls. I want you to enjoy that, and you should enjoy that, mm-hmm. and don't feel bad about it, because the shame is what then causes us to go for numbers three and four and five, and way beyond our hunger and fullness cues. So what I would say is try and get in, find a buddy, find a sibling if you're home, or find a friend, and go out and get some exercise during the holidays because it's just going to start your day off on a better note Mm -hmm. and then drink water like it's nobody's business because so often we think we're hungry when we're thirsty Hmm. and Hmm. 
the water. Yeah. And so waking up, like the very first thing I do with my kids and myself is I make everyone drink water (laughs) and they know it now. They know that they just wake up and drink water because that gets your metabolism going and it cues your body to start cleaning out um, and doing good things. So try and get in a little bit of movement, drink a ton of water and then honor your hunger and fullness honestly during the holidays. (laughs) In my mind's eye, I see this sweet moment where you, Annika, are waking up your child and you're like, good morning, sweetheart. Here's a big glass of water. And they're like, wait, I just woke up. All right, mom, if I drink this water, will you, will will you leave me alone? Please go away. Yeah, please. Please (laughs) I drank my water just five more minutes, please. I wish it's the other way. I'm saying just give me five more minutes. (laughs) Go back to bed. (laughs) So we we have talked sort of about this exercise uh, component of this, but there are a lot of people who will likely be getting some sort of fitness equipment or fitness wear for Christmas and and are sort of recommitting themselves to taking better care of themselves. Maybe not a New Year's resolution, right? Maybe they know better than to do that, but have just said, you know what? This COVID-19, these 19 pounds are a real thing. I need to shed them. I need to take better care of myself. What sort of uh, mindset practices do you have or can you share with us as we we look to get uh, uh, in better shape? Totally. Um, One of the biggest shifts that I think helps people out is exercising because we love our bodies, not because we're mad at our bodies or we hate our bodies. And when you think of it, that it seems silly to like, oh, if I just think differently. Mm-hmm. But then it makes the fitness part feel like you're doing something good for yourself instead of punishing yourself. Mm-hmm. And when we're coming from a place of like punishment, it's going to be real hard to motiva- motivate ourselves day after day. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So I, oh, I like ahead. that mindset shift. And then also, no, yeah, you go. What were we gonna say? Uh, no, I just was, I was, I just was going to say that it, it sometimes for me becomes such a, a mind, like the workout is a mind thing. It's less my body. My body is willing to do this. It's the mind getting into it is the most difficult uh, getting thing. Getting there is yep. half the battle. Mm. Yesterday at my five thirty a.m. class, we had one person come, <laughs> and it's usually a packed class. So it's cold and it's dark and it's holidays and I get it. It's hard. It's hard to get there. But once you get there, say that you'll give yourself 10 minutes. Say, I'll just work out for 10 minutes and see how that feels. Mm -hmm. And more often than not, after 10 minutes, you're like, oh, you know what? This does feel good. (laughs) And so, and then find something that you love. The very best form of exercise is something you'll do. Mm. It really Hmm. doesn't, I mean, we can make it as basic as that. You know what I mean? Like, yes, ideally it's two to three days a week strength training and two to three days a week of cardio. Um, But if that's not in the, the, you know, going to happen, just find something that you love. Whether there's so many group fitness classes online right now, you can literally be in your underwear doing it at your house. um, Surrounded by whoever. Uh (laughs) So... It's never been easier to find something you love. Annika, how many times uh, a a week or a month would you say as a personal trainer and fitness instructor do you get people who come up and ask you, you know, Annika, I've heard about this new diet, this new way of of this, and and what do you think about that, like these sort of extreme things? What is it about those things that just make them unsuccessful? Totally. So many clients are like, oh, well, I'm doing this. And then I usually ask, and how is your energy level? Mm -hmm. How are you feeling Mm -hmm. on keto? Or how do you feel on Atkins? And then once they connect it, because most people aren't actually thinking through that, you know? Mm -hmm. And then they're like, actually, I have no energy (laughs) (laughs) because I haven't had a carb in a week and I'm going crazy. Um, I would totally say there is place in every weight loss plan or every just maintaining diet, a healthy diet, balanced Mm -hmm. diet for, for carbs, proteins, and fats. And we need all of those. These crazy, um, extremes are only going to lead us. They might work. They might work for two weeks. Mm -hmm. They might work for a month. And maybe even for six months, but then all of a sudden we're here for the lifestyle. You know what I mean? And as we're getting older, we're like fighting against ourselves, which is so weird, but (laughs) our bodies are deteriorating and we got to keep it up. So 
So we need to make sure that we're increasing our metabolism and cutting out carbs and doing extreme things like that is only going to lower our metabolism, which then burns less calories. People kind of pull you aside and say, hey, I've got this thing. And you're like, diet and exercise. And they're like, no, 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 you haven't even heard this thing yet. And you're like, no, I'm telling you, diet and exercise, what you put in and how much you you exercise. That's the answer. Stop asking the question. Now, I do have one more question before I let you go. Uh, You've been a personal trainer. You said you're very passionate about it. Uh, It can be um, difficult for many. In fact, I'm sure you've had clients who who have struggled at first or struggled for a while. What is it that makes you so passionate about working in this space? I think, I mean, we've all, we've all had to come to our own space of finding a love of fitness and food and balance. And so personally, I have too. And I've been in fitness my whole life. And then I've had at times in my life where I'm more extreme on the health scale mm-hmm. and then where I'm more relaxed. And I've found this balance that's really worked. And so it's so fun to be able to share with other people and like see the liberation. Mm. You can almost see on their faces when they're like, oh my gosh, like I had a piece of pizza and I'm not in trouble. (laughs) No one's getting mad at me, you know, like it's okay. There's just different types of fuel. And um, it's really, really awesome and heartwarming to like see these clients um, just realize that they can have a healthy like liberated relationship with themselves. Mm, I love that. Uh, one last thing before you go, uh, I heard about this new diet, Annika, where if I <laughs> if I don't eat and I exercise a lot, I'll drop weight really quick. Can you uh, can you give me any? Uh, I'm teasing, of course. Annika, I Christians. would say you're totally right. <laughs> That's gonna happen. Yeah. And then you're gonna feel terrible. Oh, please oh. don't do that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, I, will, I will not do that. Uh, Annika Christensen, a certified personal trainer and fitness instructor who believes balance is the key to building and maintaining a healthy relationship with exercise and food. You can get more health and fitness inspiration by following her on Instagram at Annika underscore James. Now, if you have any guest suggestions, topic suggestions, things you would like us to discuss as we roll out of 2020 and into 2021, we would love to hear from them uh, or hear from you. You about them. Uh, the, the Lisa show at byu.edu is the email address, and you can put those in the subject line. That's topic suggestion or guest suggestion, or, you know, hey, Richie, uh, hey, Lisa, I've never heard you guys talk about this from your personal experience. We'd love to hear you talk about that. You can do that as well. The email address, one more time, is the Lisa show at byu.edu. 